Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Industrial Sourcing Podcast. My name is Anne-Sophie, and I'm your host. When I'm not interviewing sourcing professionals, I work on building the best software for industrial sourcing organizations, Ravacan. Check us out on Ravacan, R-A-V-A-C-A-N.com. Wow, it's already December, and for this last episode of 2020, I have someone special on the show, Lionel Boucher. He was on his way to the top of the purchasing organization at Henkel, the CPG company, when he decided to take a completely different path and work for Doctors Without Borders. There, he's using his experience to change how the NGO source and procure materials. Thank you so much for joining us today, uh, Lionel. Sure. Hi. Hi, yeah, I'm very glad to, to have you on the show. Um, excited to learn more about your background and uh, your current position. Where are you calling from right now? So I'm calling from Amsterdam in the Netherlands. So uh, how long have you been living there? Oof, already five years here. Time passes fast, yeah. Yeah. So uh, we met uh, at school uh, already ten, more than 10 years ago. Yeah, <laughs> time flies indeed. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I'd like to, uh, to go over your career and understand your path and how you ended up uh, in Amsterdam right now. So uh, can mm -hmm. you tell me uh, a little bit about your background and your career? Sure. So... After I finalized the uh, uh, MIE, that was in 2009, uh, I joined directly uh, Henkel, which is a, a German multinational uh, in the FMCG sector. I joined first as, a, as an internship directly after the, the MIE. And after this internship, basically, I had the, the chance to or the opportunity to, to continue. And uh, that's where I had my first uh, position. So it was at the headquarters in Düsseldorf in Germany. And uh, my first position was basically I was purchasing manager. And uh, among my responsibilities, I uh, was in charge of the, the category plastic bottles and plastic injection in, uh, in Europe. How is it to purchase plastic bottles? What are the, um, the market constraints or what kind of specialty do you need to have to, uh, to do that? Yeah, it's this kind of things where you realize that, oh, yes, there are companies actually making plastics and making bottles and making stuff. Uh, plastic was not such a big deal back then as it is, uh, as it is now, or at least, yeah, it was still, uh, did not have this uh, very bad, uh, very bad rep. Uh, but no, it was, it was quite interesting because, um, both plastic, uh, plastic blow or blow molding and, uh, and plastic injection are quite different industries in terms of uh, yeah the key uh, the key drivers behind for instance if you if you purchase a, a bottle what you need to make sure is that yeah the manufacturer needs to be somehow close by to your production plant because at some point you only transport uh, air in the bottle and that means that yeah your transport cost will be way too high if you source that uh, at more than 600, 700 kilometers from your, from your point of destination. While at the contrary, plastic injection are usually much smaller parts that you can, uh, transport on, on longer distances. Uh, you have as well different, uh, elements that you can take into consideration, like labor costs, uh, will play a big role and, uh, energy. And that's why you can play as well with, uh, yeah, looking at where those cost drivers can be a bit, uh, 
a bit lower. So those are all the things that, uh, yeah, you, you take in consideration. Of course, the, the packaging is what the, the consumer uh, will look at first when you speak about uh, the FMCG sector. So it has quite a, a big visibility uh, within the company as one of the purchasing categories. And yeah, that makes it quite an interesting or quite interesting categories to work with because it's very driven by innovation. There are very short life cycle for the products. So you have always a new projects on the way. Uh, so yeah, that, that, those were definitely the, yeah, the, the interesting parts about, uh, about buying plastic. Yeah, so how long have you stayed in that position? How did you involve? So this position, I held it for around about three years. And, uh, and after that, uh, after those three years, I got the opportunity still within Henkel. Uh, to move and to go uh, very far away on the other side of the Atlantic uh, to, to Colombia. And uh, here it was a completely different kind of responsibility because when I arrived in Colombia, the objective was for me to, to lead the, the purchasing team that they, had, that they had there. So it was a completely different uh, setting and uh, environment than being at the headquarters in Düsseldorf, which was more or less like, uh, yeah, the, the cathedral of the whole organization. Here I was very isolated, so to say, in a much smaller organization. You could have the feeling that... Uh, The company, even if it belonged to the same group, it was a different size of company as well, more the, the small, medium size of company. You were much closer to the business, much closer to the general manager as well. So that brought as well very, very different kind of, uh, of dynamics in the, in the job. And as well, I, I moved. So I was still in the purchasing departments, but uh, the, the big difference is that I did not have any more this kind of category management responsibility. That means uh, dealing with suppliers, uh, tendering, and so on and so forth. Negotiation was not anymore the, the core of my responsibility. So the core of my responsibility was really to lead the team, trying to bring it forward and to bring it towards those processes that were developed at, uh, at global level, bring this team within the global purchasing organization of, uh, of Henkel. And as well, the other side of, uh, of my responsibility back then was I was the, the face of purchasing towards the business in order, in order to basically understand what were the priorities of the business, the strategies, where they wanted to head to. And in my role, then basically I needed to Uh, convey this message from the business to align that with the priorities of purchasing. And at the same time, if as a purchasing organization, we were identifying innovations or risks on the market or opportunities that were, uh, that were here and there, then my responsibility was as well to escalate that or to convey that towards the, the business so that they could adapt that or integrate that in their uh yeah in their plans their decisions their strategy so that was a super interesting um, experience because that way i was as well understanding how purchasing can really bring value to the business way beyond uh negotiating the best prices reducing costs and those kind of things to which you could see sometimes that purchasing would be limited very interesting and And how did you manage this transition from 
being more into operation towards management. So that was, yeah, uh, an interesting change. Let's say that uh, I guess that uh, when you have a bit of ambition, you always aspire at uh, having some kind of a management position. But when you start, you realize that you're definitely not ready for that. Or yeah, there is nothing that uh, prepares you for that. Uh, so you basically grow as a manager by getting the experience. So of course, yeah, there, there are completely new situations uh, coming your way. Uh, you need to care as well for, uh, for your team to understand concepts like the capacity and the resources that your team has how to make sure that they are properly aligned, that the right priorities are set up, that as well there, are, there might be some personal topics to take care of, the teamwork of the people that needs to be uh, uh, aligned and taken care of. So yeah, the, those were things. It took me, of course, a, a while to be fully comfortable with that. Uh, let's say that I was... Uh, young and uh, full of hopes and dreams so the the thing was that i was quite adaptable uh, i hope i'm still a bit adaptable today but <laughs> i was definitely much more back then and yeah i, I tried to take it one step at a time uh, i believe that uh, the key there was as well to to make sure that or to respect people even uh, so i wanted to make sure i would not be the the bossy boss just uh, giving an order and this is uh, this is the reason why and just because i say so so i was trying to to make sure that at least there would be some kind of understanding and visibility of my team towards okay what i'm asking from them and how it fits into a strategy or a plan that we have all together uh, or in the in the greater context uh, as the purchasing organization did you experience some resistance Uh, from the local team uh, as someone coming from HQ, uh, not a native speaker? I was expecting that, to be honest, but I, it was never the case. And uh, at the contrary, uh, I, was, I felt super welcome from the very first day. Uh, I had one of the team members picking me up at the airport, actually, uh, bringing me uh, to her place, I met her family, they invited me for dinner and so on. Uh, the rest of the organization as well, super welcoming that, uh, that I was coming. It might have to do as well with Colombia because it's, uh, yeah, they are generally very welcoming towards foreigners that want to, know, to get to know their country and so on. Uh, but yeah, I must say that from that standpoint, I was very lucky. It was a very easy uh, transition and integration. In That's that sounds great. <laughs> so yeah. how long how long did you stay there? And I stayed in Colombia in total a bit less than three years. And uh, a bit less than three years. My plan was actually to to stay a bit a bit longer. I would not have minded to to stay there. But at the same time, uh, Henkel, the the purchasing organization of Henkel, was undergoing a, a transition. Uh, in which they were setting up what they refer to as the, the global supply chain organization. Uh, and they were setting this entity up in, uh, in, uh, in Amsterdam. Uh, and for this, they were basically looking for profiles that had had different kind of perspectives on, uh, on the organization who had had different experiences in different regions in order to be able to understand as well that 
not everything is the same everywhere. And that's where I got the chance actually to, to be proposed to join this, uh, this new organization, uh, in Amsterdam as a, as a category team leader. So going back to the pure category management work of purchasing, but this time as the, the team leader, uh, the team was made of approximately 10 people, I believe. And, uh, all those team members were in the different regions where, uh, Henkel was, uh, was present. And, uh, so, yeah, so, so th that's how I ended up in, um, in Amsterdam. And here as well, it was a completely new experience because it was about taking over this, uh, lead for this category, uh, a full global reach with some regions I had never had to, to deal with, uh, before, uh, very different markets, very different constraints, challenges, opportunities, uh, per markets. Uh, and as well, the team members facing very different uh, requirements or, uh, yeah, uh, requests from their local organizations. So that was definitely something quite, uh, quite interesting to juggle with. Yeah. I guess you were like perfectly suited for the job because you had this commodity experience before plus the, uh, the local, uh, experience. Um, what? What can you say about different regions and how different they could be in terms of how they manage their category? So it will, or I'm not sure I can speak for, or, or in general, but uh, here in that case, th this responsibility was again in, uh, in plastic, in plastic injection, to be precise at that time. Um, let's say that depending on the regions, Henkel had very different businesses as well. For instance, in the Middle East, in Africa, Henkel was very, very big in uh, detergent, while in Asia, it was much more beauty care and personal care. In the US, it was a big, big part of uh, detergents, laundry and home care. Uh, in Germany or in Europe, a bit, uh, a bit of everything. So just because of that, you would have as well different uh, business priorities uh, going on. You would have as well different, uh, yeah, market situations or the business was probably doing well uh, in one region, a bit less well in another region. So there were different priorities. In one region, it was more about bringing new product to the market, new innovations. And here it was about looking for the agile, uh, fast suppliers, the ones with the innovation capabilities, while in another region, the priority was cost cutting because maybe the economic situation was not the best. And that's where you were looking more for those suppliers who could have the opportunity to, yeah, to, to support in, uh, in cost reduction projects and so on and so forth. But of course, uh, the whole thing is trying to play with those different opportunities that you have or those different requirements. But at the same time, trying to keep a global look on things trying to be consistent with one overall strategy rather than having just opportunistic behavior. Because you have, of course, different uh, local supply bases that you work with in the different regions, but you have similarly some uh, global players that you want to integrate into the game. And of course, if those global players see that you're that your behavior is completely erratic and that in one region you uh, you act with them this way in the other region you act with them that way and 
that that might work for some commodity categories where you have a thousand of suppliers which are interchangeable from one day to the other in that way in that case it was a bit more difficult and uh, that's where you can now you cannot renounce on a on supplier relationship and that was as well one of the key things that we were trying to uh, to push forward it was really this notion of supplier relationship management of course not with the entirety of the supply base but with a selected few where or that would have the the potential really to to bring it forward yeah this is very interesting because we can see especially in cpg that to be competitive, you need to offer more and more innovations to your customers, right? And so mm-hmm. um, can you tell a little bit about how you manage to capture innovation from your supplier? Yeah. So basically what's, uh, oh, we were as well at a turning point when where you were seeing that it was becoming more and more common to see uh, items of the everyday life uh, being digitalized having or being smart or something and of course it's maybe not yet at a stand, at a uh, at a price point that you could put it over something as stupid as a as a packaging material but you see that the technology and the capabilities of the supply base are evolving so fast that this will be a reality within probably the, the next five years. And the key is to be able to to create those relationships with those suppliers that are working on that, that have the ideas, that have the, the possibility to, to bring that forward. And we actually started a program. It was in 2016, maybe, where we wanted really to uh, start identifying who are those suppliers that we that we want to work with for the very long run, and so we we started that, and it was a yeah the the full company was really uh, involved into that uh, up to a board level in order to send the correct message to the whole supply base, telling them that we would go on the market in order to look for those partners of choice, uh, as we were referring to them. Um, in order to select those ones uh, that we would take along the way to become our core suppliers, to work with us on innovation, to get access to a more substantial part of our business, uh, and yeah, to to really change the the game and have the ability to come with innovations that we were not dreaming of uh, only a few years before. And so we we did this program. It was a very uh, intensive or work intensive, time intensive uh, program to put in place because you needed to have the full organization, the full company going like one single person, more or less, with the same message towards the supply base, with the same consistency. Uh, so it was a lot of alignments, getting everyone on board and so on and so forth. But I believe we were quite successful in putting that in uh, in motion, and at the end, we we realized that yeah, we we had ten to fifteen suppliers that really were key for uh, for this program, and that we initiated in uh, in this way. And of course, then afterwards, it's those more classical supplier relationship practices, I guess, with a target dialogue that you put in place with each and every one of them, where you define your ambitions for the future. 
and try to identify together, okay, what is the specific strategic fit that we have? What specific part of our business could be of interest to them in, uh, yeah, in exchange of what specific innovation could they develop for us? So it was really this super interesting kind of, uh, discussions of uh, thinking that need to take place, uh, usually at quite high level, both on Henkel side and uh, uh, the, the supplier side. So yeah, that was, uh, that was quite a, a unique experience from this, uh, from this standpoint and really very much focused on to value rather than on those pure elements of uh, costs, quality, uh, lead time or whatever that would be the, the very base of, uh, of purchasing. Yeah, it sounds very interesting, especially when we think about the scale of the organization, right? Henkel is, is a very big company with a broad range of products. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when you put half a billion of euro on the market, uh, yeah. or as a potential, definitely you interest quite uh, quite a few companies to to go to go your way. Yeah. So strategic sourcing, as we like it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> you worked uh, on plastic injection and mm -hmm. as well contract manufacturing. What is contract manufacturing exactly? So contract manufacturing is basically or what you would refer to as well as uh, external manufacturing. So you have those different or a company can have their own plants, but they can as well rely on third parties in order to make all the, the manufacturing or, or the production. And in the case of Engel, you had different reasons why you would rely on uh, external manufacturing. It could be uh, for capacity reason. For instance, you don't have enough capacity anymore in your uh, own plant or because of technology, because you don't want or you don't have the scale to invest in this specific technology for your plant. So you go out on the market uh, or simply because it was in a specific uh, geography. And of course, uh, when you do 10 liter detergent bottles, You rather have the production plants closer to your customer base because otherwise, again, you transport a huge amount of uh, water, so to say, uh, yeah, over long distances. So those would be generally the, the reasons why you, why you rely on that. Um, I would say that the, the main difference uh, that I could observe between uh, plastic injection molding and external manufacturing was uh, in the fact that uh, the, the strategy of Henkel was very much to own the molds that, uh, that are used to, uh, to, to produce uh, plastic injected parts. I know that it can change from one company to another. You might have companies that require their suppliers to invest into the mold, but at Henkel, it was rather the way that Henkel would own the mold and that gave some kind of flexibility as actually to take those molds, move them around and so on. And just from this standpoint, the way that we were managing our molds was a key strategy in itself. While on the external manufacturing part, here you had much less of assets that you own that, that you were putting at suppliers. It still existed in some, uh, in some cases, but you were generally, uh, or you had very different kind of dynamics and relationships with those suppliers because usually those suppliers would invest for you. However, in exchange of some kind of commitment or some kind of 
yeah, uh, something, something in exchange, be it uh, an exclusivity, be it uh, a specific technology that you would develop with them. So that made it, uh, yeah, that, that was the main difference, uh, I could say. And so at some point after almost 10 years, you decided to move on to a new opportunity. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so after 10 years, I mean, uh, and and of course, I had those 10 years in uh, in this very advanced uh, purchasing organization where I had the opportunity to see a lot of things. And I really, really enjoyed my time. But this 10-year mark is, of course, something that's Yeah, you arrive at these 10-year marks and then you look back and you say, okay, now what next? And I always had had in the back of my head this idea that one day I would like to work for uh, for an NGO. And yeah, I, I felt that first after university, I would need to start to be uh, yeah in a normal company, so to say, where I could learn the ropes of the business to put in practice what I had learned at university, get some experience, so forth. And yeah, and that's where um, I really started to consider it after 10 years of experience and saying, okay, maybe now is the time where I can maybe bring something to uh, to an NGO. I was lucky enough that uh, we have one of our common uh, former classmates who was working at uh, Doctor Without Border or uh, Médecins Sans Frontières. Uh, and yeah, I just called her one day to ask her, okay, how is going for her? How is the NGO world? And she was saying to me, listen, there is a position open in Amsterdam. If you want to apply, it's right now. So yeah, it was a bit... Uh, earlier than what uh, I thought and what I had planned because I was more mostly on a yeah uh, discovery phase uh, so to say but I applied and uh, yeah I was lucky enough to to be taken yeah. and so that means that last year yeah a bit more than one year ago I joined uh, Doctor Without Border or uh, yeah MSF I will say if I repeat the name I joined MSF uh, in Amsterdam so in their uh, in their office in Amsterdam where they have one of the three uh, supply centers uh, that's uh, okay yeah that's um, i mean the opportunity came a little bit early but it was at the right moment well right place right already in amsterdam it's great yes the planets were fully aligned and that's why it was uh, yeah, too big of an opportunity to say yeah, yeah. it was aligning with everything i want yeah. and uh, so so that was uh, yeah, that was the perfect opportunity and the perfect uh, thing for me to to jump and uh, and to say, okay, le let's go for it. And uh, so, can you um, tell uh, a little bit what's the mission of uh, MSF and um, what you are doing? Yeah, so MSF is a uh, is basically an emergency uh, medical organization. So our specialty, if I have to to make it. Uh, uh, or to, to summarize it is that basically we provide uh, health services in uh, countries which are either in crisis, in a war, or uh, where the, the health system is not strong enough to be able to provide uh, appropriate uh, health services to, to all people living. So basically that means that... Uh, we are mostly in uh, in the global south countries uh and uh yeah and providing 
any kind of uh, medical activities. It can be surgery. It can be different programs targeting some specific diseases. It can be uh, some Uh, specific activities like related to uh, providing services in terms of water and sanitation. Yeah, vaccination campaigns. I mean, a lot, lot, lot of, of, uh, of different. And of course, well, what does the purchasing organization uh, does or the purchasing department does in such an organization? Well, there are countless amount of uh, items that you will require in order to set up all the different uh, projects and missions where uh, in order to fulfill and to to address all those medical needs around and uh, so you will have uh, drugs you will have medical equipment you will have uh, protection equipment for um, your medical staff you will have things like cars that you need boats uh, uh, any kind of material that you need in order to uh, build hospitals or, uh, or whatever else so it's a very very broad portfolio uh, that uh, that you are taking care of yeah wow well, i was not expecting uh, <laughs> that you were purchasing boats but uh... <laughs> yeah so <laughs> um So how do you structure a team to uh, fulfill those requirements? So the the way that we are structured is uh, we have a procurement organization. So we call purchasing procurement there. I don't know procurement purchasing. I believe that from one organization to another, it means the same. Uh, but yeah, so I, I will continue with purchasing. But with our purchasing organizations are basically reflecting the different Uh, supply organizations that uh, that we have. So um, what we have to understand is that uh, MSF is quite a decentralized organization because it's uh, different associations which are working together, which are organized around different operational centers, which are defining basically which are the missions uh, that we are going to uh, to carry out, which are the projects that we are going to to set up, and The, the backbone of the supply chain from a uh, procurement perspective are the supply centers. So we have three different supply centers in, uh, in Europe and each of them has their, uh, their associated uh, purchasing team. And uh, so, so the one I'm responsible for is the purchasing team that is, uh, that is in Amsterdam and the way that the, the purchasers are organized are per type of item. So you will have one uh, buying more the, uh, the drugs, another one buying the medical equipment, another one more the uh, lab, uh, the laboratory equipment, another one the logistical equipment and so on and so forth. And we have, uh, and basically there are the, the same kind of organization and split which is which is mirrored in the other uh, supply center okay after one year what challenges and opportunities so i must say that this one year was not a, a very normal year especially for uh, for an organization like msf because uh, covid was definitely uh, what got me very busy for the past uh, eight months so to say because among the products that we buy of course There are those masks, those gloves, those uh, gowns, whatever that the whole world has been uh, 
has been fighting for. And this, this COVID crisis were, came basically at a point where we were already in a very good way to uh, try to mutualize a bit more the way that we would structure our purchasing activities between those three supply centers. And what we see is that with this crisis, we realized that it was actually a matter of, yeah, being able to do our job, actually, to to work better together, to buy together, to go as one towards the markets because this market was completely disturbed and you could not just come one day and wait two, three days and get uh, get an alignment internally and come back to the supplier. It was already too late. Uh, but fortunately, we had already initiated all those uh, those activities of, uh, of working together, uh, trying to align our needs, uh, identifying though this common supply base that uh, that we have so and i believe that the whole organization has recognized that this this was really an asset and this is why now one of the key opportunities that got out of it is that we are actually now pushing to go to the next step that means to integrate even better the work between those uh, three supply centers and try to see how we can make a, a stronger organization. So um, I'm currently as well leading the, the the project which aims at looking how our more long-term organization uh, would look like and not only uh, looking at the way how we organize our purchasing teams in the supply centers, but as well how we incorporate the teams, that we, the teams of purchasers that we have that are in the different missions in the different countries where we carry out our activities because we have as well a lot of uh, of purchasers in those uh, in those countries where we operate and which need so at some point as well to to be taken on board of what we we try to to achieve so yeah i'm currently at it uh, it's maybe a bit too early to say exactly in which direction we are going but uh, of course what we see is that yeah it's a super interesting uh, thing that we have ahead and uh, yeah and we are, we have quite a, an interesting profile as an organization with presence in geographies that is quite unique and uh, so I believe that there are a lot of opportunities that exist to, to really capitalize on that and be able to really bring something even more as a, as a purchasing. I'm wondering, what is a typical day for you? Uh... For me as a, oh, you know, I will start maybe with the, with the team. So we, oh, our, Work basically starts from the identification of the needs. And that means that here it means really trying to be in contact with all the, the internal stakeholders, the internal requesters, trying to understand exactly what are, what are the needs. And our job ends at the moment where we have selected a supplier and we have put all the conditions in the system so that the rest of the, the supply chain can actually start uh, placing their purchase order and so on. Uh, and everything in between is what my team is taking care of. So, of course, there is this dimension at my level of trying to, to see how we can optimize our internal processes, how we can upgrade our uh, purchasing practices, how we can put in place a more uh, strategic sourcing look at uh, our portfolio, uh, try to see how we can uh, better manage our supply base, try to anticipate those risks that we have, try to see 
what kind of risks this or that portfolio uh, can entail or the geographies of our supply base. So this is really much yeah, the core of my work with the organization of my, uh, my team itself. But as well, there is uh, a big part of my time uh, which I invest into trying to create those links with the relevant stakeholders and those relevant stakeholders being the, uh, the requesters, but as well those, uh, those coming at the, the end of the chain. That means uh, the supply chain organization trying to see how we can better align our priorities, our activities. And last but not least, there are those other stakeholders, which are basically these other supply centers, those other purchasing teams, and making sure basically that we can align our activities as much as possible in order to make sure that, yeah, we we create synergies in what we do rather than doubling or tripling the, the activities. That's so I would say that every day is quite different from this standpoint because on top of that, you will have different projects coming up. You will have different priorities. You will have a big emergency starting uh, in one country where we need to be all hands on deck in order to make sure that these shipments will come, uh, that our suppliers will comply with our expectations. The goods will be there. They can be put on a cargo. They can be sent to, to this emergency mission. So yeah, there is a high variety of tasks and, uh, and, uh, yeah, and, uh, the, how to say the, it can be a, a more quiet day where you have the time to plan your stuff and so on. And it can be a day where, yeah, you don't stop from, uh, from the moment you, you start the day till the moment you, you end and you have thousands of different topics that you need to, to tackle and take care. So yeah, it's a huge diversity of things that, uh, that, that we take care of. From outside, I feel it's like a marathon that you're actually running at sprint uh, speed. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's... Uh... And and it's a bit the case, and uh, it has to do, of course, with the with the nature of the organization. So, so as I was mentioning, we're an emergency organization, uh, and that means that, of course, the priorities can completely change from yeah overnight, basically in uh, in your activity. Uh, but yeah, so but that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, um, so. You, you've made the leap to go into the NGO world. And so do you recommend to uh, any of our listeners? Are you looking for teammates for your, for your team? So unfortunately, we have no open position uh, at the moment, but it's definitely something I would, uh, I would recommend to, to anyone. Just I mean, yeah, here it's, uh, it sounds uh, cheesy maybe but just the the sense of fulfillment is is completely different so uh of course probably what i would recommend still is uh to follow a path a bit similar to the one i had that means maybe trying to go into a, a more normal uh, organization or, or company um where you can learn really about okay the purchasing processes, the uh, practices, putting in place everything that you might have learned at university or wherever else, getting your experience. And then with this baggage, this is where you can you can bring a lot to, to an end. Uh, and of course, yeah, given the, the speed and the day-to-day the -day of the activities of the NGO, you 
you don't have a lot of time to structure things, to put in place processes and so on. Uh, and so that's where it's better to come already with a previous experience of processes which are well put in place so that you can relate to that and you can as well implement that in an organization, in an NGO where, yeah, uh, what usually will happen in an NGO is that capacities are as well more limited. That means you don't want to invest too much of the money of your donors into human resources. You want to invest them yeah, in the mission of the, of the organization. And that's where, uh, yeah, you don't have the luxury of uh, processes, nice tools and so on, but, uh, with the right people, the right minds, the right experiences, that's where you manage to, to build actually something very strong. And uh, I believe that today we have a very strong team and, uh, and that's why we, yeah, we actually managed to, to bring this purchasing organization forward quite, uh, quite well. All right. Thank you so much for sharing uh, all of this um, background and uh, how you moved to uh, MSF. That's very interesting and very inspiring, I have to say. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you so much for sharing that. No, thanks a lot for having me. Very glad to, yeah, to be able to share that with uh, some of your auditors. Yeah. Th thank you, Lionel. Bye. 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 Bye.